Hello, I'm here today with a, a lovely chap called Mick Coyle, and we've only met recently. I appeared on Mick's really good podcast, Mental Health Monday, recently, and we had a really good chat afterwards, and we've got a complete shared love of gardening as it happens. So I naturally asked Mick if he'd come on here. So hello, Mick, and how do you feel today? Hi, Gareth. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm having, I'm having one of those weeks where you are sort of stressed. And you know that sort of like line that you draw if you imagine your sort of stress levels and you sort of have the ups and then it comes down a bit and then you're a little up and down. I'm having one of those weeks where the just line is staying above the sustainable level, like for just a little bit too long. Not to the point where like I'm completely bogged down by everything, but you know, just one of those weeks you're thinking, those little tricks that you try just to get away from maybe some stress or to take the edge off something, those little things that you're doing around the edges aren't quite cutting through quite enough at the moment. That's a little bit because... I'm busy, obviously, with with work and things, but I've got I've got stuff going on at home with some some building works. So that means the house is upside down. I've got young children, five and eight, who are um, they're right in the middle of sports days and singing clubs and football competitions. So like, the, the there's not enough room on the calendar to write down all the things that we've got to remember. Like throughout the course of the week, my wife works in a school, so she's away with a residential uh, dentist appointments to look after. And it's just that it's I feel like this week is a juggling week. The thing that's getting me through it is just writing really, really small on the calendar because you can fit more on. Uh, but at the same time, knowing that when the building works sorted, that's taken care of. When the sports day is done, that's finished. I can look to Friday evening and probably think when I get to Friday evening, things are going to be a lot better. And I'm already kind of halfway there. So it's been stressful this week. And it's not been completely out of the norm. But like I say, just those measures that you have in your life where you kind of think, is this good stress? Is this okay stress? Or is this actually starting to get me down a little bit stress? I'm probably in those that 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 latter stage and have been for a lot of this week. It sounds like you're super aware of it, which I think is half the battle, isn't it? Being aware of it in the first place and then knowing that it's temporary as well. Have you always been that way or, you know, how did you get to that point of realising what you've just explained? Yeah, and and I think before I get to that, I will say that even though sometimes you are self-aware, when I was in bed on Monday night when a contract we had for something had pulled out and I had to find somebody else and I wasn't sure whether or not they had the information. I was lying in bed 2 a.m. I would normally be asleep by 11.30. And I was saying to myself, this is, you know, an anxiety-related late night. This, this is, and I was lying in bed and I was, every time I felt like I was falling to sleep, at the same time, I felt there was a little countdown to, to, you're going to have to take a really big, deep breath at some point. And I couldn't get out a sink of those two things. And so all the self-awareness in the world mm. wasn't enough to, 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 to sort of shelter me from that feeling. The thing that sheltered me from it was the noise that actually what I needed to do was in my head or even on a piece of paper, I didn't have to write it down. Just compartmentally, three things. The three things you need to do tomorrow to get a, get your mind out of this place is this, this, this. Come up with a plan so that then your brain can switch off from that thing of you need a plan. You need to 
crack on. You need to think about this. Have you thought about this? Actually, coming up with that plan in my head, one, two, three, meant that I could then switch off. And then at 3 a.m., I woke up because a massive bug had landed on my arm. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? This is just going to be one of those nights. That self-awareness thing is, is really interesting, actually, because I'm one of people who late uh, teens into early 20s, particularly after leaving university, this is back in 2003, I was very much of the... I've had very much the experience of somebody who couldn't really cope. Like I just wasn't coping with life very well. I wasn't getting much joy or contentment. Everything was very either very short term. There was no, I had no sense of medium or long term goals or contentments. It was quiet. It was a really difficult time for me. I was working long hours. I was just trying to get going in a career. I was looking to try and find my way in the world. Um, and that led to quite a sustained period of depression, um, which now I look back, went on for years. Like there were years of this. Um, and that was quick to very much about being quick to burn out, having little or few outlets to do anything else about it. Um, but at the same time, just thinking, well, this is what adult life is and you're not coping well with it, all the things that you got you through school or all the things that got you through college or whatever, they don't they don't work anymore because you're not exceptional, uh, because you're just one fish in a very big pond. And guess what? Get used to it because the bills need paying. And yeah. you know your friends are all going on holiday and they're all doing interesting and exciting things. And, and you've got a good job and you're enjoying doing it, but like, Where's it going? There was no sense of that. And I, that was the thing that was really telling for me that I had no knowledge that that wasn't something that I had to feel, like that there was another way of thinking and feeling about that. Um, and it was only then hearing other people talk about their own mental health. And this is going back, you know, to sort of like maybe 2012, 2015, that sort of period of time. I started thinking, oh, that sounds like me. That, that that's, that's a bit like what I experienced. And then you start thinking, oh, that's mental health, right? Then I became almost slightly obsessed with the idea of mental health and then talking about it. And the thing that used to make me smile was that the idea of that one in four people have got struggles with their mental health. But I was thinking one in four. Now, now, now it's come down to one in three, and sometimes you hear it's one in two people. But I was thinking, that's actually quite a relatable thing. If I started talking about that, then one in four people potentially would then feel the same as me, which is, yeah, that sounds like me. That That's me too. Um and that's when I, you know, really started ramping that up. We started doing the Mental Health Monday podcast uh, as part of the radio show we were doing on, on Radio City Talk in Liverpool. That was in 2017. Uh, we're nearly 300 episodes into that now, and that's just 300 conversations with people talking about their mental health. So it's been a it's it's been a real journey. And from each of those conversations, I tend to take away one thing or one element which I sort of add to my own knowledge or or expertise if you like on that issue um and that just puts me in a much better place now to recognize things that are coming my way or to be aware of things that you need to have in place to make sure your mental health journeys or your mental your mental health state is in a good place there's, there's so many things that you triggered in my mind then uh mick and i don't know where to start <laughs> the first one was when you used the word compartmentalize when you were talking about being in bed and I can't remember where this came from but I, I read a great thing which was by somebody who had learned to do that in a, in a visual way in their mind 
and they they um they give the analogy of like an ocean liner and the airlocks in the hull, so that if the hull got breached with water, it didn't then fill the entire hull. So because it was compartmentalized, you'd breach one place, but it would still stop there, so it wouldn't sink the ship. And um, I think that's a great way of visualizing that compartmentalizing of things. And I could never do it before, but I, I've kind of learned to now. And it's like thinking of each thing or each day or whatever it is as an airlock. So I think there's, there's – I'm only mentioning it because I found that helpful myself. Yeah, I wonder if you, if you said to somebody, if you did a survey of the moments that their mental health hit, like either a crisis point or their lowest point, like if it was a TV movie, it would be the moment you found your wife in bed with, you know, the milkman. Or like <laughs> it would be the moment like you got fired from your job and you got home and your house was on fire. You know, like that you would create those dramatic moments. But I wonder how many people's real low moments are just like – a little tiny thing, like a little tiny bit. Like, I don't know, you'd, you'd knock over a milk bottle and it, and it smashes on the floor. And that's the thing in and of itself, you know, the yeah. phrase, there's no point crying over spill milk, but that just typifies or symbolizes just how right. out of control you feel. And actually the yeah. people's, it's it's so much more mundane than we would Yes. We would hope it would be, but it, but it often it is mundane because actually, it often it's those series of mundane things, yeah, that build up to then you know fill your bucket or empty your bucket, however you want to look at it, that sort of thing, or, or that that you know that, that that flood you know the bottom line of a of a cruise ship and then just take yeah. you under slowly, yeah, sl- like you don't even realize you're sinking until it gets to the point where you're up to your neck and you're thinking, oh great. That's when you realize the problem. Then that next last little bit where a window cracks and a bit more water comes through, that's when yeah. you go, all oh, right, now I'm done. Or is actually you were done a long time ago, you just didn't recognize it. I think you're dead right. And that's why I use the word sleepwalking when I talk about myself into it over such a long period, you know, like you said, years sometimes. Um, yeah. And then the other things you were talking about, all completely relatable. And that thing of when you hear someone else talking, it almost gives you permission, and then you realize, ah, oh, that's like me. And then you realize, actually, I don't feel quite so alone now as well as a consequence, and actually, maybe there's a bit of hope. And that's, I mean, that's the main motivation for me doing these chats, because it's exactly as you said with yours. Everyone who talks has some sort of experience you can relate to, but you always learn something as well. And I think people listening in then, it almost gives them perhaps the nudge to to speak up about their own situation and perhaps get help if they need to. A friend of mine um, was just not not coping. And I just sat down with him one day and I, and I was just saying, what are the sort of feelings that you've, what does it feel like? And he couldn't, he, he couldn't find the way to put it into words. Like he was like, he said, I just can't, I can't express the, what it is. And I said, I said, I give you an example of something that I feel that, that that typifies my experience of really poor mental health. I said, when I was going on honeymoon, we were going to Hawaii, right? And we were going via Las Vegas, right? Trip of a lifetime, right? Trip of a lifetime. The day before we went, it might have been the morning that we were waiting for the taxi. If you'd have offered me, they said, you know what, mate? I've 10 days at home. I'd have taken it. I'd have yeah. taken it. And, and he sort of looked at me like he went, that he went, 
that's you and that it's that it's that thing of not feeling knowing something's good but actually that doesn't even help yeah. you you know something that you're even looking forward to doesn't give you the sense of value yeah and the thing that got me through those points were like I'll when I'm there I'll really enjoy it and when I look back at it I'll think I'll have had the time of my life and I will have had at the time of my life but then there's that thing that goes you know what would be easier make sit down and do nothing Sit down. And that was about feeling, I, I guess in my case, that was about feeling like overly stressed or fatigued or just thinking actually that a 10-day period of doing absolutely nothing would be, you know, a stress-free time of time to sort of decompress potentially. Um, but I still get that now when I get like, when it's like, when you go like dropping bags at the airport and have you got enough <laughs> baggage allowance and all that kind of stuff, I'll yeah. still often think, you know what would be easier? Just to wake up tomorrow morning, go and have some breakfast, go and sit outside in the garden. Have a bit of a pot to pop into town, go and grab a coffee. Like, and I can see the value in those things, by the way. I could go and do that on Saturday and be, be absolutely happy. But actually to do that at the cost of something that would make me even happier. Yeah. <clears throat> is a sort of that was that was often that was often that has often been my mindset in there, where to even reject the opportunity of positivity just because it's easier to say no. Yeah. I, I, think- I understand, yeah. Those sorts of, I've had that conversation with a few people who've gone, yeah, it's that, it's that. And I think that's that thing about feeling, one of the things around uh, suffering depression, people often say like, and it's like, what's the, what's the, what's the image of depression? It's the head in the hands and it's the, um, it's the, you know, the, the, the sad face and the, you know, the blue, you know, the cartoon character with a blue face with its head down and the cloud above. And the thing that summarized it for me, which was much more for me insidious was that I didn't feel anything. Like, it wasn't feeling of sadness. It was a feeling of nothing. It was like no emotional attachment to to anything. And I think that, in many ways, that's a more dangerous thing because I think I would recognize sadness. I feel really sad. I feel really down. And I would recognize that emotion related to other things that I've experienced in the past. In the past, the strange thing for me was that I was experiencing nothing. I had, I was... I was whelmed by everything. I wasn't underwhelmed. I wasn't overwhelmed. Everything was whelming. And actually, that's quite a that's a really difficult place to be because actually your sense of community, sense of interaction, sense of your place in the world is about how the world reacts to you and how you react to it, it you know, in return. And actually, for me, I was getting nothing. And even if I was getting something, I wasn't feeling it. And I found that much more difficult. And then people will say like, you know, did that lead to suicidal thoughts? And I always say, like, no, I didn't have thoughts of, of suicide. Did I have thoughts of, does it make a difference if I'm here or not? Yes. Yes, I did have those thoughts. Like, well, I'm here. Well, if I wasn't here, it wouldn't really make a difference. And, that, and, and to, I, 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 I put that in that same category as suicide ideation because that was my probably my version of it. And I feel like I'm almost lucky to have had that version of it because it didn't come with the the really negative thoughts and the action the potential actions or ideologies um ideation rather around suicide but at the same time it meant that if i did cross a road and there was a car coming and it was probably a bit closer than it should have been i would still cross the road thinking well if i get hit by the car and that's obviously dangerous behavior which i recognize now as, as dangerous behavior that probably fed into that thing of i just didn't really it's not that i didn't care it's just i didn't have the ability to care I think that was when I was at my my lowest point. 
again, that all sounds very familiar, just with different words for me. And does it does this sound similar to you? I used to, if I tried to explain it to someone, <clears throat> this might sound overly dramatic, but I would say it's the only way I can think of it is a kind of existential loneliness. And I used to feel, I used to have this picture of like a spaceman or an umbilical cord, just sort of looking back at everything else, but just being numb really to it all. Um, and the other thing was that when you talked about, you know, that thing, if, if it was a car or whatever it was, it was, I think there were stages to get to that point. And one of them was almost wanting to take responsibility out of your own hands mm. and almost hoping for a serious illness or something just to take it, just to take, just to end pressure sort of thing. You know, like I, I, I'll, well, well, I'll like tell that. you this. I'll tell you this, right? So like I, when I would get on the train, I would go and stand at the front of the train. And in my mind, if something was going to happen on this train, at least it would happen to me. And I'd like, and that's and to the point where I've been on train. And this is, this is when I was, you know, this is almost 20 years ago now, probably I would be on the train and I would be leaning with my head on the, on the, you know, the driver's door. Wow. I was thinking, and that was me, I think, trying to confront whatever was coming. Of course, nothing was coming. I was safe. I was on the train. It was, it was absolutely yeah. fine. But yeah. that was, I think I rose, that was represent, representative of my mindset of, well, put you, put, put yourself at risk, but not, yeah. not in a way which actually ever put yourself really at risk. Yeah. Uh, but it represented that thing of, well, if it's going to happen, it may as well happen. And I may as well be at the front when it does. Yeah. Um, not wishing for it to happen, but just being that, because I, I wasn't in an emotional state to wish for it, but just this sense that, yeah, if it did, if it does happen, get it out of the way. The funny thing is, I can't. You know, we talked about this the other day, but I feel so different now that I can't even imagine being like that. And I, I almost look at that other guy sort of thing, and it's still me, but it's as if I know he could come back as well. But um, it's strange. I feel like I'm almost talking about somebody else sometimes. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, I think so, and I think I sometimes get I get the shadow. I recognize the shadows of it, and I call that's it the a shadows great way of, of putting it. it. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes that, I'll get that shadow, and I'll go. I can. I've got that feel like I. I rem, and I'll remember it. It's not nostalgia, but it's it's a. I've had this. I know what this feeling feels like. Yeah. I think I became a parent. You know, in 2014, that for me, like, was a, the first ten days was just that. Like, that's like, oh my, what on earth's going on? To me, like that sort of vested interest in the future yeah. was one of those things which sort of like really <laughs> stuck for me. Not yeah. in terms of, you know, like I've created a unit which now must be, you know, continue, but actually that sense of I need to be here and the people yeah. around me yeah. and, and obviously the partnership with your with your partner and, and at that time. We we are we're 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 invested in this now. And actually there is a cause and effect whereas if I don't respond to this thing now. That actually, I'm being the negativity that I feel then passes on to a second, and actually, that that was a real sort of moment for me that made me think, oh, my investment here on the planet has improved infinitely because there's there's a specific thing which is a part of my life every hour, which needs me, mm. and I need it, and then obviously, then that how that partnership builds with your with your with your wife or partner at that time as well, it becomes 
you know, there's two of you, fine. But they always say, you know, if you want to, if you want to, you know, something that's really sturdy, give it, make sure it's got three legs, if you like. It became this sort of like, you build, almost build like a little community, that that, that sense of a family. That really sort of helped me. But I, I always say, like, at the time, I had for many, many years real urgings to become a parent, like real, like almost like a physical desire, I could feel the desire to, to you know, be a parent. Uh, and I know some people don't choose not to have children. I completely understand that if you didn't have those feelings that I had, then of course you might be thinking, no, no, I don't really want to become, I don't want to hold a child or whatever. That's fine. I completely understand. But I had this real, like, uh, there was almost something in my brain which was going, this is going to be good for you. And you hear sometimes horror stories about people who are, you know, struggling in relationships. So have a child thinking that that's going to help them. Of course, like, that's not going to work. But actually, it felt like that was part of like what I needed was that, that, that extra element. My wife, my wife and I were very sort of happy as a you know as a, as a couple, but that thing for like that ultimate sense of contentment, it probably felt like I needed though that that to create that thing that was the family, not creating the child, but creating the the family unit that then I could kind of grow into a little bit as well. Yeah, I know. I know other people, by the way, who don't who've chosen not to have kids, and that's like I say, that's absolutely fine. But they have the same thing that I needed, but they get it from like like a ski trip that they go on every year or they go to safari, you know, to Kenya, uh, you know, as a couple, or they go on cruises or they, or I'm, I'm using holidays as an example. That's not the right way. Or they choose to like, they, they want to live in like say London in a, and there's a certain lifestyle that they can get. And actually all the things that I was looking for, they can get from theater and eating in amazing restaurants. And, and to a certain extent for most people, you're, you're almost like picking, you have to pick a, pick a lane in regards to those things. Well, but but I know a lot of people who, who have that experience and actually they're also having the time of their lives to go, thank goodness we never had kids. We've done all these amazing things. And I think I think society kind of puts a bit of guilt on them to a certain extent. It says, well, oh, you've, you've, you've almost made a selfish choice. I don't think that at all. I think, because no. I think oh, well, I had such a desire to do that, that anyone yeah. who's got a desire to go and do, uh, do a big thing career-wise or take you know a big step internationally or whatever it is, of course that comes with, with choices and actually those choices that then put you onto the pathway you want to be on for yourself and then obviously your partner or the people around you, then you've got to see that that's, that's been done in a genuine, that's a genuine decision that's made. And it's conscious, isn't it? It's a well. conscious decision, which is the important thing, isn't it? That they thought about, but you know, this is leading me now to the inevitable thing of talking about the garden <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, that is a conscious choice for both of us. We both get an awful lot from it. For me, it's like the best medicine and it's a barometer for my mind. When it's doing well, I know I'm doing well and it's never done as well as it looks like now, you know. And actually, for the first time ever, I'm even doing it in a methodical way because I realize that you can kind of train your brain a little bit. So I'm trying to unspaghetti it by being more methodical. And actually, you know, we had a chat before about greenhouse or not yeah. and i even started everything in modules this year in the greenhouse early and then planted them out as plugs and it was it was great it was a, it was a revelation so um let's talk gardens mick what if you well, let me let that that and I, you've had this conversation before but you know if you're thinking like if you if, you know if you start the year going right what do i want to achieve this year what i forgot what are the irons in the fire what are those things that are coming you imagine that each of them is a seed Right, yeah. you can scat them all out at the window and see which of them pop up, and actually none of them might, or they all might in all one go, and you go, "Oh my god, what am I going to do?" 
Or what you can do is do what you've done there. Is you can go, right, okay, well, I'll put the first seed in the first module and I'll label that and I'll water that one and I'll be... And I'll put the second set of seeds in the second module and I'll label that and I know where they are and I know where they're coming up and I know what I need to water. It actually there's something in that for life, isn't there? About yeah. keeping on top of you, keeping on top of things, knowing, yeah. knowing that ultimately like it's it, it's leading to a good place. Um, and I think that's the that's the thing with gardening that I liken it to. That that investment I was talking before about you know having children, that investment for me putting something in the ground, is it gonna come up? If it's not gonna come up, why didn't it come up? What was the mistake I made there? You can afford to make mistakes in the garden. And actually, I mean, if it all goes horribly wrong, then fine. But like over the winter, I lost all my cordy lines, these big, you know, palmy plants that I'd had for years and years and years. But in all the years I've been gardening, we'd never had a harsh enough winter. Now I'm going, well, what's what's happened? Of course, what has happened is we had a sustained period of time where the temperature was minus five and below. So that's when cordy lines die. So what you either have to do is you have to go out and fleece everything up or you have to do what I did, which is basically hack them all down to the ground and see if they come back. Now, they might come back, and if they do, great. You can have cordy lines for days. But if they don't come back, in the meantime, you've got a nice big space there that you can fill with something else. So I went and got some pampas grass. I thought, well, actually, that's a little bit different. I got some um, you know, some, uh, some miscanthus as well, structure, size, but a little bit less prone to doing things. So what I've done there is I've just... I've taken the thing that I had, I lost it, but I've been able to then find a suitable adjustment, not the same thing. It's not the same picture that I'm going to look out of the back room, uh, back room window to, but it might hopefully work then for a few more years. And by that point, I think, oh, actually, I really like this look. Maybe I'll get a few more grasses in this border. Or maybe I go, you know what? These grasses are getting a little bit OTT. Let's cut more back. Let's go with perennials this year. Or the dreaded phrase, let's expand the veg bed. <laughs> into that which and i think that's all about the list and you know if you plant if you plant a seed you know if you plant a seed in a pot if you plant a seed in the ground and you're investing yourself in that seed you're you're thinking two weeks down the line right you're thinking two months down the line you're thinking six, you're not planting a seed in the ground and going sitting on a train and thinking i hope this train crashes you're not yeah. stabbing in front of a car thinking it doesn't matter to me whether you've already got a little investment in a little pot that requires you to watch it and water it and then feed it and pot it on and move on. And I'm not saying that, you know, that's that's going to work to bring back people from the point of suicide or anything along uh, as dramatic as that, but it gives you a sense that you've got a, an invested stake in the world around you. It gives you something and- to hold on to, doesn't it? And when I was terrible, you know, at the worst, I just let it go for three years. And my wife let it go thinking that might motivate me as well. And it, it didn't because as you talked earlier, you don't care about anything, but when you're well, it's like, it's like an anchor, isn't it? That's what, that's the way I see it now. And um, when I see myself, you know, with mood, basically things get a little, I step in straight away. If I see a few darker days now, and it just means more time in the garden and it is the apps. That's why I call it the best medicine. There's two or three things like that, you know, that work for me. But you know, it is. I, an I, I, I think that's the thing around you. Can't what you can't do is, is have it as the one thing because you know there might come a time where you've got you might get a back injury and you literally can't bend exactly. down. So like you yeah. know you you can't do it. And then you've got you've got to be able to have those other things. I I always teach my I say to my kids the two most important things in the world are love and learning. Yeah, that's they're my things, and and I would teach them that to sort of to main to to have that to have faith in love as a thing. Yeah, but also to understand that you've got to you've got to be learning all the time, and that can be learn. You know, when 
when the you know the Daily Mail's telling you about some terrible you know threat from the outside world from immigrants or whatever you know whatever headline you're reading in the you know the tabloid press about you know, these people or whatever to actually to to put your faith in learning and actually finding out about those sorts of things um as well as obviously commitment to like learning at school and paying attention and all that so i i, I said those two things of love and learning and, and and i was thinking well what am i learning so like obviously the gardening skill set is a really diverse thing but to actually not just to try and do it but also then to look at you know to get a book to read mm-hmm. you know the theory behind it as well that then it's because you don't you kind of stop doing that when you stop your training for work don't you, you stop learning um I picked up a ukulele. I'd never played ukulele before. So I started playing ukulele. So I have a ukulele now and I play that. That's one of my things. Like when I've literally got 10 minutes of the kids are in the bath, I'll sit on the side of the bath, play the ukulele. I did. I couldn't play the ukulele, but I learned how to use and play the ukulele. I couldn't run. I couldn't run at all. I couldn't run to the end of the street. I was so unfit. I've always been quite a slim guy, but I've never been a fit. Last week I ran a 10K. Like I, I made that sort of commitment to do those things and actually having that, would also take away that that sort of existential crisis of, you know, well, ultimately you're not very fit and that's going to do for you in the long run. So at some point you're going to have to get fit. You don't really have any hobbies or activities. Now, like if my wife goes out for you, I'll pick up the guitar or the ukulele. I'll happily strum away tunes like for a yeah. good couple of hours. Like, I've given myself things to do and they're hobbies, right? But like who has hobbies? When you're 25, do you have hobbies? Nah, it's you, they're naff things to do. Like, that's the thing I've got. Well, now I'm like, if someone said, do you have hobbies? I'll be like, absolutely. I go running. I'll, you know, I love playing the ukulele. I'll go, you know, do football training with the, with the kids. I'll, I mean, I'm in my garden, like literally every hour that I can, that I can spend. And people are like, oh, I don't really do much. You know, when people go like, oh, watch this series on Netflix last night. I'm like, all right, what is it? Oh, you've got to watch this series. Oh, you got to watch this program, right? The first four seasons are really dull, but like after that, it gets really good. It's like, how much time have you got? And it's, like, and I find like there are these people who were like, they put on Netflix at seven a seven p.m. and it just stays on like till till they go to bed at like two a.m. I'm like, I don't have that time in my life, or I choose not to spend my time doing that instead because I feel like I'm not learning. I feel like I'm just I'm just accumulating box sets in my mind, and maybe that conversation they're gonna have. Whereas now when people say, have you seen Game of Thrones? I have to say no. When they say, have you watched Breaking Bad? I say no. When they say, have you watched The Sopranos? I was like, I watched the first episode. I didn't think there was much in it. You know, and there'd be, uh, because I would much rather do those things, which I think are like more fulfilling. And it might be like me playing a song that my kids sing along to is a really fulfilling thing than some really dreary drama. You know, and I was this, when people say, have you seen this show? And I always go, is it cheery or dreary? And they'll be like, yeah, it's a bit dreary. I go, no, then. Like, no. My favorite program on TV at the moment, right, Gareth, is is called Canal Boat Diaries, right? Don't know it. It's about this guy, right? He's got a little, uh, what do you call them, little cameras um, that go and you can drop them. Like a GoPro or something. GoPro. It's him, and he's got a drone that films some nice shots from above. And he sails up and he goes, this week on Canal Diaries, I'll be traveling through Leicester, where I'll have to repair repair my boat. And then I'll uh, head up to this lock where there's uh, a, you know, a nine-foot drop and three locks will carry me through, courtesy of the Canal and River Boats Trust. And then there'll be like a nice little plinky-plonky music. He'll do like the wider shots. It's the same reason I love the uh, Vic and Bob. Uh, Vic and, uh, I was going to say it's brilliant, isn't it? The fishing uh, program. Um, Paul and Bob. Paul Whitehouse, yeah. Uh, go Bob, uh, go that same thing where it's like yeah. the actual fishing isn't the gentle. thing. It's just that, that gentleness. Well, I yeah. would watch that over like, 
Succession or any of these shows you've been told you've got to watch. Because <laughs> I find them like, I'll, I will learn something from it because like, oh, I've never been to that area or I didn't know that about that thing. Um, but I find it, yeah, I find that much more grounding. Yeah. And I know if I want to have those escapes, they're my like Saturday night movies, you know, the bigger Spider Man movie or whatever. Like, that I've yeah. like Friday, Saturday night, that's when that that lives. But yeah, cheery or dreary. It's a good little thing there. Is it dreary? Yeah, it's really dreary. Right. I don't want to watch it then. I don't need that in my life. <laughs> I, 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 in full disclosure, I'm, I do watch a bit of dreary, but only one episode at a time. And I'm usually yeah. fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, everything you said about. It's almost like not having all your eggs in one basket. I know these are all cliches, but the reading, the guitar, all of it. And again, when you're well, it kind of, I mean, my children are older. They're 19 and 23, so it's, it's a different stage. But, you know, I, want to, I can't wait to get out of bed because in the morning now, I just want to start. I want to fill the day. And it's not just those things. Actually enjoy this. This is brilliant. The things I'm trying to do with mental health. Even a bit of architecture is becoming joyful again, whereas that was, you know, the opposite for a long time. Well, I think as well, uh, I I use it as an opportunity. So, like, if I'm fe- if I'm in a period where I'm I'm feeling those shadows, I will think right. Have you got? Are you reading a book? Have you got a book on the go at the moment? And, and often might be, oh, you know, I've not. I've, I've finished that last book and I've not picked something else up, so I'm not. I'm not reading anything at the moment. Have you been for a run? In the last few days, because of course it's like settles you down and helps you sort of the endorphins kick in. No, because it's been a bit warm outside, so I've not been right. Have you been getting some sleep? No, because I've been stressed out about the thing. Have you been drinking too much coffee during the day? Oh, actually, I had a couple of extra coffees that day. Have you, you know, have you had a sit down on the ukulele? No, I've not done it for about three weeks. That I can then go, oh, right, that's why I'm they're yeah. almost instructions for me. Then, right, well, I'll tell you what, exactly. go for a run, get a couple of early nights sleep. Drink lots of drink water. That's another uh, drink lots of water. Um, yeah. Get a book on the go. Get out in the garden or whatever it is. And actually, then and then I can do those things. And then as that as I trip through that list, I think, oh, yeah, I feel like I'm in a much better place now because what I've done is I've 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 I've, I've fallen into those little comfort things that actually give me yeah. that sense of contentment. And it's very easy just to drift away from them actually, but if you don't drift away from them, um, or you stay with them or keep them very close. It's much easier to think, you know what? And I did it last night, a very stressful week. I said to my wife, um, last night, you know, what? I'm just gonna have a, an hour in the garden. Yeah. And I'm and I just moved a couple of plants around and I shifted a couple of things into the, you know, the the, the recycling green bin. I shifted a bit of compost around. And actually, for me, that was like quite a settling thing. My wife said, You're coming in for a cup of decaf coffee. And I said, So I said, Do you want to have your coffee out here? And we sat down, we just sat there like on the grass, just having our coffee. And then she was like, "You're coming in now." I was like, "I'd be another fifteen minutes." <laughs> <laughs> there's always, there's always more to do, isn't there? But it's brilliant. Um, Mick, we're coming to a close. It's been a real treat, and what I really like as well is we've had two conversations, I think, in the space of a week, and um, they've both been different but the same. <laughs> it's it's brilliant. Um, is there anything you'd like to leave us with as a as a just a part in short? As much as, yeah, I think as much as anything, we touched in our conversation on the on mental health one day about that that self awareness, um, and it's a self awareness not with a capital S and a capital A. It's like a it's a small S and a small A, and, and it's not there's not a there's not a manual that comes with it. No. I think as much as anything, if you are able at any point to think, how am I feeling today? And I mentioned in the you know in our in our previous conversation about. You know what are my marks out of ten today, and that feeds in obviously into into mood, and you know what what color am I today? That doesn't it doesn't have to be physically represented, 
I think just starting that conversation with yourself, if it can be like, if you're on like a long commute, the moment you pull off the motorway, each day think, right, how was today? Mm. And actually then start thinking, and why why was today? You know, if you start thinking in those terms, I think you can then start looking about what are those tools then that, that can help me head to a better place. And that might be, do I need to spend more time doing this? Is there a friend I've not caught up with in, in, in ages that I've been meaning to? Is there a hobby that I've let slip that I don't do anymore? Am I doing anything for myself? Have I got any moment in the day? Can I make a moment in the day? That that self-awareness doesn't have to be a light shines on from high and you're now blessed with the skills to do it. It can just be that thing of going, you know what? Today, I'm going for a walk. After yeah. today, we're going for a walk. No, Leave the phones at home. Technology. We're not touch. We're not in touch on technology yet. Um, that's definitely a conversation. You know, phones at home. Yeah. Break from all of that and have those that bit because actually the moment you have that bit, moment of reflection, medita- personal meditation. Again, not meditation with a capital M. You can then start thinking. You know what? I've been really struggling with that thing. Or the thing that's really getting me down is that. Or the thing that I can't switch off in my brain is this particular thing. To then get home and then have a conversation with someone about that thing, or to start writing down how to get through that thing or a, or a, a, a task plan to me is, is where that self-awareness can really take you in a relatively short space of time, but give you a real noticeable benefit in a, in that short space of time. Spot on. And not, so basically it's not, it's not making it a burdensome thing mm-hmm. in itself that can often cause more anxiety again, because it's like another goal, isn't it? So I, the way you described it was spot on. No, I appreciate and I appreciate appreciate the conversation. It's nice sometimes just to have the conversation, isn't it? Where you can just Oh, it's great. Talk. Really good. Yeah. No, thanks, Mick. It's been fab. I've really, really enjoyed it. Well, so you. we'll thanks. keep it up, right? Absolutely. We've had two conversations. There's definitely a third and a fourth in there somewhere. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> great. I'll see you soon. Bye. Cheers, Gareth.